Experience Darden Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to share my recent conversation with June Sun. June is a student in our full-time MBA class of 2023, and she is also the Chief Investment Officer for Darden Capital Management. June and I recently connected to talk more about her background, how she decided to pursue an MBA, what led her to Darden, and how she's been engaged with Darden Capital Management during her first year here at the Darden School of Business. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here's my interview with June Sun. June, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Brett. I'm a huge fan of this podcast, and I found it a really helpful resource as I was going through the application process myself. Well, that's awesome. It's always fun to have someone on the the show who listened to the podcast as they were navigating uh, their MBA search process. Um, that's that's always great, great news. Um, I'm curious, like, as you were a listener, what did you find helpful about the podcast? Like, what what did it help you do in your MBA search process? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question. So I wanted to get, um, first of all, just a real feel for the student experience. But um, I think it was also serendipitous that Rachel Gibson had recorded an episode. So she was class of 2021, former CEO of Darden Capital Management. And she recorded an episode with you about a month before um, actually my interview with her at Darden. So I was able to listen to her episode and get to know her a little bit further before actually interviewing with her. So that was great timing. Wow, I wish I could say it always works out that way, but um, that is incredible timing. And uh, she was a historic CEO of Darden Capital Management, the first woman uh, that had ever ever led Darden Capital Management. An incredible thing, and I, I so enjoyed that conversation. I think all of these conversations they're similar in some ways, right? You're talking to people about their background and decision to pursue an MBA and what led them to Darden and all that kind of stuff. But there's always always really interesting things that. Um, you know, I learn, and and one of the cool things, you know, I know because of my role here at the Darden School, I know our executive MBA students really well. But oftentimes, the full time MBA students, I'm learning as we go here um, because I'm I'm asking questions, so I'm pretty much like our listeners. Uh, you know, I know a little bit about you, but not a, not a ton, and uh, I'm I'm really excited to learn more about you, June. So, um, tell us um, first of all, how are you doing? Uh, how is everything? Um, you're now in the, the final quarter of your first year. I think when people come back from spring break, there tends to be a little bit more more uh, levity. Weather's a little bit nicer. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, no, thanks for asking. I'm, I'm doing well. Um, it's difficult to ignore what's happening in the world right now, I think, um, with COVID to this day and the Russia invasion of Ukraine and all the economic ramifications from that. And you know, inflation, and now Elon Musk is buying Twitter, but um, I'm sort of just focused on closing out Q4 and my first year at Darden on a strong note. It definitely went by super fast, and um, Q4 has been the best so far. Um, still busy in, in other ways. There's always a lot to do, but um, yeah, really, really doing well right now. Well, good. Well, we'll get into maybe some of those things, particularly as we as we start to talk a little bit more about Darden Capital Management a little bit later in the conversation. But let's start by talking about who you are. Um, so what's your background? Uh, what did you do before coming to Darden? Yeah, so my background, um, I grew up in the small town of Laramie, Wyoming. Um, so both of my parents are neuroscientists and they teach at the University of Wyoming. Um, I'm an only child, which is good or bad, depending on how you look at it. But my parents always encourage not just doing well in academics, but also having other hobbies. So 
I spent a lot of time growing up um, practicing violin and piano and being involved in sports like ice skating and cross country, you know, skiing and tennis. So learning about finance didn't really occur to me until I took my first economics class in my senior year of high school. And then I was like, wow, I immediately found it fascinating. Um, and that's how I chose to go the business route in college. So let's talk a little bit more about that. I mean, so you take an econ class. And how do you get from that econ class to say, hey, I think I'm really interested in finance? Uh, I'm curious because I took an econ class in high school, too. My brain did not go to, uh, well, maybe a career in finance. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, so yeah, I grew up, as I mentioned, with, I guess, scientists as parents and, and participated in science fairs. And I think econ was really my first window into thinking about the world in a different way. And, and you know, you learn in macroeconomics, like supply and demand. Um, and then from then, I think I just connected that to, you know, how does money move in this economy? And um, actually led me kind of to be interested in, you know, how to make more money. Um, as a potential investor, and how sort of capital markets work. Um, and that's really what drew me to I kind of like business economics, finance in general. Um, and then when I went to Michigan State for college, I actually started out as an accounting major because the accounting program is better um, there and kind of switched over to finance after I was kind of selected to be part of a group called the Financials Market, uh, Financials Market Institute. And um, through that, I kind of was able to network and, and learn a little bit more about finance. Yeah, sometimes when people describe the difference between accounting and finance, people say accounting is uh, backward looking, finance is forward looking. Do you, do you agree with that conceptualization? Yeah, yeah, no, that's, I, I haven't heard that one in a while. But yes, I, I do tend to agree with that. All right, so you're finance undergrad. Um, and kind of on this, what I think, you know, it sounds like you've been on this very sort of intentional path from the time you're, you know, maybe a senior in high school kind of thinking about what you'd like to do. What do you do after college? Yeah. So uh, right after college, I uh, worked in investment banking. So I worked in the leverage finance group um, at Wells Fargo. And then after that, um, so that was in 2014, you know, the energy downturn was happening and I did a lot of interesting, I guess, transactions in the energy and infrastructure space. Um, so actually kind of wanted to explore that a bit further um, in, in more of a private equity role. And so when I was in banking, I recruited um, several PE firms and ended up joining um, an infrastructure focused fund um, called Basalt Infrastructure. And then from there, I actually did that for a couple of years and wanted a more generalist experience. And I think specifically gain an experience investing in um, the tech sector um, and some other sectors. So I came across an opportunity to join Sequoia Heritage in the Bay Area and then was working remotely um, back in home, back at home in Wyoming uh, before thinking about pursuing an MBA. Well, that's that's quite a quite a ride through a, a few different things. I mean, so how did you decide ultimately that? Okay, I, I can understand how someone on that path might start thinking about an MBA, but how did you decide uh, when was the right time for you? Yeah, so I think like others during COVID, I was stuck at home and I just became more reflective in general, and of course about my career goals, and I thought about what I wanted to achieve over the longer term, and I really hadn't considered getting an MBA before. Um, however, the flexibility offered by Darden's test waiver attracted me to apply for the opportunity. Um, 
And that's, you know, kind of really what got me started uh, thinking about it seriously. All right. Well, you, you obviously, when you start considering MBA many programs out there in the world, what about, I mean, so you mentioned the kind of test flexibility end of things. Um, is there other things that put Darden on your radar or ultimately convinced you that this is the place you wanted to be? Yeah, I mean, I, I really liked everything I had learned about Darden. Um, like I mentioned, I, I listened to a lot of your podcast episodes um, and I really like the feel of Darden and I think the student experience, um, the case method, the test waiver, as well as the scholarship opportunities. So I think I'm unique in the sense that Darden was the only MBA program I applied for. I thought um, I'll, I'll hopefully get into Darden and then um, I'll go to Darden. <laughs> You, you do occasionally come across candidates who only really applied to one school, but more often than not, I think it's probably a few schools. Um, so that that's great. And did you apply early? Did you go early action round one or where were, where were you in the process? Yeah. So I think I was actually a first round applicant. Okay. All right. So still so, pretty early. <laughs> yeah, that is early. It's typically October. So, um, you know, for candidates for whom a school, uh, Darden is a school of choice, there's early action out there, which is actually technically our first deadline. So um, round one is, interestingly enough, our, our second deadline um, so, you know, follows early action. Early action is typically in September, round one, typically October, and then, of course, round, round two, round three. Um, but round one still still early. So um, you come to Darden, June, and uh, that, that first year, I know there's always some adjustments. What was that like? Charlottesville is a bit different than, than Wyoming, I imagine. Yeah, it's it's different. It's similar in some ways and and also kind of different. I think, um, you know, I, I obviously love the fact that Charlottesville has a great um, kind of outdoors, you know, an opportunity to go hiking and biking and all of that. I'm, I'm you know, big into the outdoors. Um, but also I've, I've been playing, I've maintained playing tennis about one to three or four times a week here. So that's been really great. And the weather um, kind of allowed me to do that until really late November, early December last year. So that kept me sane um, for a lot of core. And um, yeah, I'm really grateful to be in a, a city that's um, kind of, you're, you're kind of able to maintain a more tight-knit community, hang out with your Darden friends and do a lot of activities outdoors and, and exercise and things like that. Yeah, playing tennis one to four times a week, that, that's pretty good during your first year. Yeah, no, I, I prioritize tennis and um, a lot of that happened at night. I mean, I, I love night tennis. I've been trying to advertise it to get more people on board. There's so many great tennis players here, um, which is pretty, I guess it shouldn't be that surprising, but there's so many great players here. Um, so getting the rotation down just to try and hit with, with someone, um, yeah, a few times a week. Yeah, our dean is a is a tennis enthusiast, uh, and you know the UVA is known for having really good men's and women's tennis teams. Um, so uh, recently, maybe national championship or, or two um, along the way. So and lots of great tennis courts, not so far from Darden. Yeah, exactly. Snyder is really close, and um, yeah, Bar in our class is actually on the UVA tennis team. So. Um, Definitely went to watch a couple of his, his matches, UVA team, you know, they killed it. Um, so it's great. Well, you had prior exposure to, to finance. And you, I'm guessing you probably took some accounting classes, too, since you originally thought you might be an accounting major. What was it like to take you know, finance classes at, at Darden? Um, and, you know, the core curriculum, nobody places out of the core, even the people who uh, majored in finance. 
um, still have to take the finance class? Yeah, um, no, I like that question. So even though for me, I think for core, core wasn't as intense, I think, academically in some senses, because um, I think finance and accounting, a lot of it was um, a bit repetitive from what I'd known from a knowledge perspective, but it allowed me to learn it from such a different um, way, just through the case method. And for me, the biggest learning was, um, I think, how to communicate. And, you know, I think with the Darden style of learning and the case method, you're always, you know, cold called, you're always trying to gain participation points by speaking in class. So I think um, from someone who knows her, who has a finance background, being able to concisely and clearly explain that um, is, is, you know, it can be difficult to someone without that background. And, um, you know, communication is a huge, um, you know, aspect of doing well at work and um, being able to yeah, tra- translate an idea into, you know, something that's comprehensible is really important. So that was my biggest takeaway. And I think um, in general, it just puts you kind of in a different learning mindset than anything, probably anyone has experienced in undergrad or otherwise. Yeah, it's interesting um, to hear, hear you talk about that the, the value of communication, because I think oftentimes when people think about MBA programs, they think about hard skills, they think about, you know, technical knowledge, these kinds of things. And when I talk to Darden alumni, when I talk to Darden students about what they're gaining, oftentimes they'll say something like, I became such a better communicator uh, through this program, because I was constantly having to speak up and share my perspective and explain how I thought or why I thought a particular way um, to people who didn't share my background. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a very important skill to have and something I'm consistently working on. Um, I think it's something that, you know, I hope to become better at, um, I think, exiting Darden uh, versus coming into Darden. Yeah, I was also thinking a little bit about your journey, um, what you had done prior to Darden. And you mentioned Wells Fargo, you work for a couple of private equity firms or, you know, essentially kind of finance roles where you could be confident that most of the people in the room, if not all the people in the room were finance people. Uh, that's a very different proposition in terms of communication than it is maybe a Darden classroom where you have 65 classmates from however many industries, however many different academic backgrounds. What was that like? It is. I'm, it's similar in the sense that, um, you know, everyone in the room is incredibly smart. They're all experts in, um, you know, different topics. So I think being in um, a classroom, um, shout out to section C, the best section, by the way, um, of everyone who is incredibly accomplished um, in, in different sense, uh, you know, than just pure finance and accounting. I think anyone can learn that. And, and at Darden, that's proven, you know, you can really just learn finance and accounting um, and be great. Um, be great at it. So I think um, in contrast to being at work, I just felt it was an opportunity to ask stupid questions and learn. And um, it's really great to be a student again, because it's really, I think, low stakes compared to being at work. It's not, um, you know, you're not going to get like fired or, or, you know, looked unfavorably upon by your boss if you mess something up. Um, I think, um, you know, we keep it pretty humorous in section C. So we we all like a good laugh and, and kind of get to learn from each other's mistakes. So it's really just a great learning opportunity. 
Yeah, can you tell us a little bit more about Section C? It's always fun to hear like about mascots and you know the general vibe in in the section. Each of the sections seem to have their own personality, and whenever I have someone on from a particular section, I think they always say something like, "Well, of course we're the best section." So a lot of section pride too. Yes, yes, um, yeah, we're you know we're chill, competent, calm, cool, collected. I don't know all the C words, um, but we're you know, I think we're a really close section where we're just very, um, yeah, I, I think we're actually probably the closest section this year. And, and we just like to hang out with each other a lot. Um, and we actually didn't have um, a physical mascot this year. So I don't know what happened with the sea monster um, in prior years, but we actually ordered a new sea monster. So um, his name is Frank with two C's. Um and he and so Frank is our our mascot now, official mascot. Um, so that's great. And um, otherwise, you know, I think we have, you know, great professors that teach the section and, um, you know, just just a very kind of friendly and I'd say low key section. So did you target a role in, in financial services? Is that part of your journey here at Darden? What was your what were your career interests? Yeah, definitely. So um, I was definitely exploring several um, different internship opportunities. Um, I knew it was going to be something in investing and whether that was, you know, focused on a particular sector. I think I was um, taking the opportunity to kind of meet different um, firms. But this summer I'll be interning with Oak Tree Capital in their private equity transportation infrastructure group. So kind of back um, on the side of infrastructure, which I always found very interesting. Um, so they're known as TSIP, um, which is their new fund. And they invest in the movement of goods and people via air, land, and sea. And I think there will be an increasing number of interesting investments to look at in this area, driven by sort of the evolution of global logistics and the impact of clean energy transition on vehicles, um, increased government spend to support infrastructure, uh, revitalization in the U.S., and just shifts in consumer patterns and behavior. So I think it'll be really interesting. And it sounds like that aligns a bit with some prior experience you had. You mentioned previously worked for an infrastructure-focused equity firm. Exactly. Yeah, it aligns well with um, kind of the work that I did at Basalt Infrastructure Partners, uh, which was also in New York um, a couple of years ago. All right. Will you be in New York this summer? Yeah, I'll be in New York. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a solid group of I think Darden folks interning in New York, uh, which is nice. So if to the extent we have time, uh, most of them are probably bankers, but to the extent we have time to get together and do a Darden happy hour, that that'll be nice for sure. Yeah, it's interesting to think about an infrastructure focused fund because it feels like there's just a lot happening in all of those related industries right now. I mean, we're in this big push to electrification. There's a lot happening um, in terms of logistics and supply chain, et cetera. I mean, what do you like uh, about this work? What do you find interesting? Yeah, absolutely. I think when people think infrastructure, you immediately think, oh, a railroad or maybe airplanes, but it's so much more than that. There's, like you said, a lot of innovation going around um, infrastructure. And I think the U.S. is really incentivized to, you know, have great infrastructure and um, kind of, you know, be the innovator on a lot of these um, sort of leading technologies. Um, And, you know, tech, I think, is becoming a more important layer 
uh, for infrastructure as well. So that just makes the opportunity set uh, really robust over the next, you know, 10, 20, 50 years to invest in. All right. So your summer, you will be in New York and it sounds like you'll be pretty busy. Uh, that's at least my impression talking to people and sometimes at summer receptions who are working um, in financial services and investment banking role uh, can be kind of longer hours, but I guess that's that's part of the deal. You know that uh, going in, um, but yeah, you're in New absolutely. York, which is exciting. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely a bit of a workaholic, so it aligns well with my personality. Um, but yes, I think New York is the perfect place for that. You know, it's kind of a work hard, play hard culture. So one of the things that we like to talk with students about here on the on the podcast is helping folks to understand, you know, what else starting students do beyond just go to class and, uh, you know, exercise, these kinds of hobbies, interests, the ways that they're involved in the community. Because to your earlier point, you know, one of the opportunities students have because you're here in Charlottesville is to really be an engaged member of, of the Darden community. You have opportunity to be involved with over 50 clubs, organizations, take on a leadership role or two. Um, has that been an important part of your journey thus far? Yes, absolutely. So um, one of the main things I'm focused on is um, my role at Darden Capital Management. So um, I'm the chief investment officer of Darden Capital Management, and I work with um, our executive team, uh, CEO Pablo Fleitas, CFO Julia Highland, and COO Nishit Shah. And um, we work alongside 24 portfolio managers to manage about 30 million of capital on behalf of the Darden School Foundation Endowment. Um, so this is a great opportunity, I think, to get hands-on investing experience and, you know, just MBA students, we get to manage six funds with different investment strategies. And those investment strategies include long, short value, global, small cap, ESG, and real estate, which is our newest fund that we launched this year with a generous $1 million allocation from the board of trustees. So there's a lot of, you know, hype around that fund and, um, you know, just DCM is a super valuable resource for students interested in asset management. And I think the existence of this club slash class differentiates, you know, Darden from other business schools. And um, I say club slash class because it's a club in your first year and a class in your second year where you actually get credit to, um, you know, invest the capital or be on the executive team. You mentioned the conversation with Rachel Gibson, which I would recommend to anybody who is interested in learning more about Darden Capital Management. But also, it sounds like this was something that was on your mind from an extracurricular and, as you know, curricular standpoint uh, before you even got here to Darden. Yeah, so not just um, through my conversation with Rachel, but, you know, in researching um, Darden, this this was, again, another huge, um, I think, differentiator um, in, in going to Darden. And I think that um, it's just so cool. Like I, you know, I invest in my personal portfolio and I've been investing sort of on the, you know, private side and private equity uh, for my job, but I've always wanted to learn more about public equity investing and actually have hands-on experience doing that um, because I'd never done that sort of in a professional setting. Um, and this is the closest you really get to being on a professional investment committee, investing real money, but, um, you know, yet having sort of, um, the understanding from others that this is a lot of people's first time putting together a stock pitch or whatnot and having the opportunity to, um, you know, still trying to make 
um, you know, compound the capital and, and make more money and generate more alpha for the fund, but also just um, learn as well and use this as a good learning opportunity. All right, I'm going to ask a novice question because we probably have some listeners out there who are new to all of this. So what does it mean to generate alpha for the fund? Yeah, so for us, generating alpha means um, kind of beating a benchmark return or I guess generating an investment return above a certain hurdle rate. So um, each of the funds, as I mentioned, there are six strategies, has a different benchmark return. So, um, you know, for example, if we're talking about the, the Cavalier Fund, that's a long, short equity fund um, that invests predominantly in domestic equities in, in, you know, kind of the investable market cap range. Um, so their benchmark index is the S&P 500. And um, whatever the S&P 500 index earns, which, you know, can sometimes be a pretty high return, we try to beat that benchmark. Um, so, you know, I think uh, we can kind of, you know, look at the benchmark as sort of this is what the baseline target is and, you know, try to generate alpha or return above that benchmark. Thank you for that explanation. One of my, I, I think the listeners know this, but one of my goals with the, with the podcast is to try to demystify some of these things that people don't necessarily know about. Um, and I think it can be kind of intimidating sometimes to consider MBA programs because all of a sudden you run into people who are using all this jargon and they, everybody seems to know about all these industries that maybe you've never heard of. Like, what does it mean to work in consulting and tech and financial services? So I appreciate, June, uh, you're in, indulging the question. Um, and Yeah, thank you for calling that out. That That's really helpful. And, um, and you know, it, again, putting yourself in, in the shoes of people who are trying to learn about this and um, may come from engineering or, you know, another background. Totally. Um, so... A question for you. So you come to Darden and Darden Capital Management's on your mind, right? It played a role in your decision to even think about uh, Darden as a, as a place for you. Um, what was it like to be involved as a, as a first year student, maybe earlier in your first year? Obviously, you're, you're now kind of in the, towards the end of your first year, right? early. Yeah, in, in relation to Darden Capital Management or sort of uh, the school experience in general? Yeah, I would just say Darden Capital Management. I mean, I think that's one of the things because you you mentioned that it's a club and maybe there's stock pitches and stuff like that. But just just curious about what that was like for you. Yeah, definitely. So there's a lot of opportunity to be a part of the club as a first year. Um, so I participated in four stock pitch competitions, um, and actually two of them I think were were sort of like last minute, you know, stepping in. I, I don't think I'd ever planned to do four. That that's um, definitely a lot, but um, you know, I, I'm glad I did. They were super valuable. Um, so several of those were in person, um, for example, the MIT stock pitch competition, um, you know, we flew out as a team to Boston and, um, got to compete, um, in actual, we had actually two teams, um, that represented Darden. And then, um, you know, I, I think these stock pitch competitions are really valuable and not only, um, you know, we all get competitive and we want to win, but it's also a good chance to network with, other MBA students and also for recruiting, I was focused on asset management recruiting and actually speaking with some of these um, judges and you know companies that I would meet at these stock pitch competitions um, to try to interview for a summer internship. Um, so making some connections there. So that's definitely a huge um, you know area that uh, DCM you know as a first year you can get involved in. We also are hosting. Um, 
DVIC, uh, which is our internal uh, sort of Darden hosted Stockbridge competition next year. And we're partnering with the private equity club to do that. So there will be both a private and public aspect, which will be really interesting and hopefully draw more people to Charlottesville and also provide um, you know, more recruiting opportunities for first year students um, and more networking opportunities. Um, we also uh, want to restart, I think because of COVID um, and certain restrictions, we weren't able to do an in-person um, sort of, um, you know, trek, um, investment trek last year, but that is definitely on the calendar for um, this coming year. So students will able, be able to participate in that. Um, and then in general, like I just went to a lot of the fun meetings. So to the extent I didn't have class, I would just join in on the fun meetings. And the second year, SPMs and PMs were super welcoming and just let me, um, you know, join their fun meetings to listen in to the stock pitches or just listen in to them, you know, discuss strategy and whatnot. And then I actually pitched as a first year a stock to the Cavalier Fund. Um, and you can do that, I think, if you have um, the motivation to put together a pitch and, and want to pitch it, then that's available as well. What's the Cavalier Fund? Um, yeah, so that's the long short equity fund. I know I'm mentioning that one a lot. I, I, I think I was involved with that specific fund um, disproportionately more than the other funds as a first year. Now I, I think I try to spread it evenly and try to, you know, attend the pitches at each fund. So what happens at a pitch competition? Um, I have like it in my mind, but I don't, you know, that people come with an idea or something that they want to pitch to the judges. I, but I'm curious, like, what, what does it look like? Yeah, so it depends on the competition. Sometimes they give you a list of companies or stocks to research, and sometimes you just get to pick anyone that you would like to. Um, so it's usually a team of four, um, and it's usually, you know, there are usually requirements that, you know, maybe have a female on the team or have it be like somewhat diverse. Um, but usually, you know, you get together and work on the pitch for a few weeks, or, um, you know, I think we were kind of crammed uh, due to our class schedule, but probably a couple of weeks to a month um, to work on the pitch and just put together, um, you know, your sort of investment thesis, your main bullet points on that, um, just, you know, what kind of your view is, kind of build a model, build a, a base bull and bear case to explain, you know, where you think the stock is going to go, what the growth, growth prospects are, of course, what the risks are. And then once that's put together, you kind of submit it to the competition and then it's sort of like locked in and you either for an in-person would travel to go or um, for the couple of virtual ones I did, um, like the pitch was due the night before. And then we would just, um, you know, log into the Zoom and kind of give a, a probably about a 10 minute presentation um, of our deck to the judges and then spend another 10 to 15 minutes answering questions. What's it like to give those presentations? Yeah, it, it feels really fast. So 10 minutes is pretty short. And if you split that in between, you know, between four people, um, you know, that's only a few minutes per person. So um, and you can't really go over the time. So you really have to kind of um, narrow it down. So it goes really fast. Um, <laughs> probably uh, had to learn to talk a little bit faster and get the main points across. Um, so again, it's good training to kind of gather your thoughts and be able to communicate that in a really short manner and get the most important, important points across. Had you done anything like that before? I mean, I've worked for any of the funds that you work for. Or is that something that was familiar to you? 
Yeah, I'm kind of, I, I've, I've been in investment committee meetings a lot and it's always, um, you know, I think when you have a chance to talk, I do tend to be on the more concise side. So um, I think, you know, I'm also learning how to maybe, you know, elaborate a little bit more when necessary, but um, yeah, certainly it's similar to the investment meetings I've been in before. I think just with, within a competition and a team setting, you know, you never want to let your team down. That's, that's my biggest fear. I want to be able to contribute positively. So um, that's definitely added pressure um, just from a team perspective. And of course, if you win, then, you know, that's pretty much a guaranteed interview for a, an internship. All right. So you mentioned being the chief investment officer for Darden Capital Management. That sounds like a pretty cool job. What does that mean? What does that look like? Yeah. So um, the chief investment officer is responsible for basically overseeing the day-to-day investment and operating functions of Darden Capital Management. So um, it's sort of monitoring our portfolio construction and risk limits, um, improving the pitch quality. So, um, you know, I also kind of, you know, as I mentioned, attend the different fund meetings um, when I can, when pitches are going on and, you know, ask challenging questions, you know, challenge them to think about um, the risks and um, additional maybe considerations a little bit further um, before we invest. And also, um, I, I believe I'm also reporting sort of performance to outside stakeholders. So we have a board meeting coming up. That's, um, it's really being led by the second years at this point. Um, because we've just transitioned less than a month ago. But, um, you know, going forward, we'll be responsible for um, reporting to outside stakeholders, you know, the board of trustees, um, and really just hopefully, you know, doing a good job of, um, you know, being kind of, you know, managing the capital, um, of course, responsibly and generating as much alpha as we possibly can. What a time to be the chief investment officer. You started by noting, you know, pandemic, you have the war in Ukraine, you also have the global energy crisis around oil supply, and that, that seems to only get more complicated uh, with each passing day. You got here in the United States, you got inflation, uh, you had a pretty robust debate about whether we're heading for recession or not, the way the Fed is managing this, what's going to happen with interest rates, they're going to go up, how quickly, um, a lot for a CIO to keep in mind. No, exactly. Um, so, you know, as you mentioned, I think the macroeconomic picture right now is not exactly rosy. And um, what I've been doing, I've kind of taken the initiative to write um, a market insight section in our DCM newsletter each week um, to, to help myself, but also others kind of track, um, you know, be aware of what's going on in the environment. Because I think in contrast to the class before us, we're coming into the fund in a position where you know, not everything is going up and to the right. So we really need to think about what uh, companies are inflation protected, have good cost pass-through mechanisms, and um, kind of will be winners in this type of environment. Um, and we need to protect our downside a lot more and be risk aware versus, um, you know, I think mostly be growth focused as, you know, probably people were a year or two years ago. It feels like a, a big shift. I mean, how do you figure out what companies or industries might be more insulated from in, from inflation, for example? Yeah, it's not an easy question to answer. Um, and I think part of it is diversification. So with the real estate fund, for example, um, you know, I think equity REITs in, in general perform and can outperform like the S&P 500. 
um, getting away from some of the tech exposure um, that we've been um, kind of maybe a little bit heavily tilted towards in some of the funds. Um, and then as far as, you know, companies that are actually inflation protected, um, it really takes a deep level of diligence to get to that uh, conclusion because sometimes, you know, for example, in infrastructure investing, I can look at look through individual contracts to see, um, you know, what kind of costs get, gets passed on to the customer, um, you know, what mechanisms are there to increase prices and kind of, you know, keep the same demand um, level, you know, if something happens um, with interest rates or et cetera. So I think, um, you know, it takes, it takes more careful diligence and just understanding of how companies operate. Um, so it's, it, it'll definitely be a challenge, but I think we can do it. And um, we have a really strong team that, um, you know, through prudent stock selection and, and really good management um, that we can hopefully beat the benchmark this year. I'm guessing you you had some experience doing this kind of diligence before you came to Darden, um, but you're here now. Have you gotten better at it? Do you feel like Darden has helped you in terms of how you look at companies and evaluate st stocks or investment opportunities? Yeah, I hope so, Brett. I mean, I, I really hope so. Um, it's it's hard to say. It's such a, I think, qualitative thing to measure. Like, are are you better at thinking about, you know, companies, um, and it's hard, it's hard to argue. No, I'm, I think, um, we've looked at so many interesting cases, um, and a lot of them have been updated to, um, kind of reflect on COVID, uh, for example, like just did a, a case on Peloton and how, how that stock, um, and company was affected through COVID and, and even like uh, reviewing different equity research reports, like one with a very rosy view, but one with a very kind of like negative bearish view on Peloton. So um, it, it would be very hard to say that, no, I haven't gotten better. I've definitely um, gotten, I think, better at, at being able to conduct diligence efficiently through uh, my experience at Darden. Yeah, one of the things that you hear from students a lot of times is just the exposure to so many different industries. Right. So you're constantly reading cases, different companies, different industries, hundreds and hundreds of opportunities to learn about something new. Um, I imagine that could be helpful uh, when doing doing diligence. So just being able to orient to new information quickly. Absolutely. Um, you just learn so much about, you know, so many different companies. I just thought of, you know, Danaher, who, you know, which that company recruits at Darden and, and it's done incredible things. I mean, it's the, the growth is tremendous and it kind of replicates um, what some PE funds do and that, you know, you do kind of like, um, you know, kind of add on acquisitions or, um, you know, strategy to either it's like kind of a combination of growing organic, organically, but mostly growing by, uh, through acquisition. And, um, you know, I think learning the stories of these various businesses and companies, um, you know, that kind of sticks with you and you remember so vividly the discussion that goes on um, in your classroom when that happens. So it's a way of learning that um, is really sticky and um, helps you kind of retain what you've actually learned, which, which is nice because sometimes I feel like I read a lot of material and don't remember what I read the next day. Well, there are there other things that you're looking forward to in, as you move into your second year? Um, anything that's on your, your Darden bucket list, so to speak? Yeah, I think so many things. Um, looking forward to taking electives, so many interesting ones to choose from, um, continuing to you know, invest in Darden Capital Management, um, playing more tennis, and I'm actually learning golf. I think um, 
the the firm I'm interning with, I think they're very into golf. So learning how to play golf while I'm here and then hopefully also just traveling a bit and, um, you know, hanging out with people and, and keeping these, you know, connections strong. Yeah, the elective piece is interesting because, I mean, you need to take electives throughout the second year. You've actually already started uh, taking electives here in the fourth quarter of your, of your first year. Um, any elective that you particularly enjoyed thus far? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a popular one, but past the power for sure. Um, it's just such a unique class. And uh, I, my takeaways from past the power are infinite. So um, it's, it's very interesting. Um, you do some simulation exercises. There's a lot of interesting reading and it kind of forces you to think differently. Um, so I think that's, that's a great elective for sure. I don't want to say it's the class that's been mentioned the most here on the, on the podcast because I, I can't say that with any kind of like empirical confidence, but I'm <laughs> like my qualitative sense is that that is the class that has been mentioned the most on the podcast. Peter Bellamy, right? Yes, Peter Bellamy. Yeah, he's terrific. And um, that class is terrific. So I highly recommend it. Um, you know, I think be prepared to bid a lot of points on it. Yeah, you're right. You, you, you're noting how students choose electives here. Um, and so when it comes time to choose electives, you you say, gosh, this elective is really important to me. I want to make sure I'm in this class by bidding by bidding points. Um, that's that's how how that process works. One of the things we get questions from a lot of prospective students about is this idea of specializing, uh, particularly once you talk, start talking about the second year and, and taking electives, which, of course, uh, as noted, that begins you know, at the very end of your first year. And I would imagine somebody like you um, interested in finance probably have you know, some finance classes circled um, as part of your elective plans. But what would you what would you say to a student who's kind of asking around specialization? Like, what's your what's your take on on that? Yeah, I've definitely heard arguments for both sides. I think there could be an advantage to specializing um, and, um, you know, also just being more of a generalist and taking that approach to learning. But um, for me, myself, I, I think I'm just mostly focused on specific classes that I'm uh, really interested to learn about. Um, there are lots of great options. So, um, you know, learning about those through, you know, either professors that you connect with or getting recommendations from second years. Um, so I'm actually more focused on the specific classes and experiences versus, um, I think, trying to pursue a specialization. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, obviously specialist ver versus generalist, that's kind of been weighing on my mind as well. I think ultimately being specialized in something is an advantage. Um, but in terms of taking classes, I don't think I'm going to select classes just to be a, you know, have a specialization. It's so interesting to hear about how you're choosing electives because to me, and again, it's, it's a little bit more anecdotal having this conversation with many students here on the podcast. I do hear a lot more students focused on courses and professors and, you know, this is just a class I really want to take. And, and you know, it might be a personal uh, motivation for that. It might be a professional motivation uh, for that, but less of this kind of like I'm trying to concentrate in a particular area or have that concentration drive course selection. And then I think many people actually find that they earn several concentrations when they, you know, all is said and done, kind of get to the end of their second year. I mean, you have the opportunity to take 24 electives over the course of the end of your first year and second year combined. And I mean, that's just a lot of classes. Um, you, you can do a lot. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, no, it totally depends on, you know, just the, the energy of the professor and um, more than just the material. Like, for example, my two favorite classes were um, in, in first year were strategy um, in which Jared Harris taught. And I love his energy and same with ethics. I never thought I would enjoy an ethics class so much, but Bobby uh, Parmar taught that class uh, for section C and he was absolutely just on fire every day and it made it a really interesting learning experience. Yeah, it's one of those classes, um, you know, I think people wonder, well, what's this going to be about, this ethics class? Because, you know, Darden is a stakeholder theory school. And, and, you know, that's an interesting framework, particularly for people in business school, because it's, you know, profit and purpose and thinking about all of all of the stakeholders that might be affected by a business decision, not just the shareholders, not just the people within the company, but also this much broader context. For making decisions and it kind of filters into a lot of the other classes too right it's not just isolated to the to the ethics class exactly exactly um yeah exactly i think stakeholder theory filters um you know into kind of all of darden's classes and um it's just a really well-rounded um learning opportunity and learning experience here I, um you know a lot of the cases and i don't know if this is designed by the professors um on purpose, it probably is. It's really well designed in that a lot of the the cases um, kind of not overlap, but um, almost like seamlessly integrate into kind of like one really great learning experience um, in, in like the same week, for example. I have to believe that there's intention to that because <laughs> there's so much other intentionality when it comes to the first year experience. I mean, it's amazing the level of coordination, just the level of thought behind learning teams and sections and the way that you move through that and just how all the pieces fit together and how all these things that might just seem at first blush, like like a learning team, for example, you know, okay, great. It's nice to have a small group of people that you get to know um, more intimately and you get to work with and manage the workload. But I think what you also hear from the faculty is like, all the learning team they come from across different sections so you get different you know you get different perspectives you know what did this section talk about versus this other section and it's also a management opportunity it's a leadership opportunity right you got to figure out how you're going to work together no one's technically in charge you know how do you hold people accountable how do you maybe have some of these more difficult conversations like once you start digging into it you start to realize that there's a lot of thought and care put into the design yeah, you're right. You're right, for sure. I, it must be intentional. I mean, the the way it's designed, I think the way the section composition happens and the lear learning team composition as well, um, just so, um, you know, you get a lot of different perspectives and, um, you know, it's a really great and my own learning team, I had a great experience in. Um, actually, three of us are working together in, in DCM this year, which is great. And, um, you know, I think, you know, you, you really can't go wrong with a section or learning team, but um, that sort of becomes like, you know, your home base where you're, you know, you're able to openly share conversations about, you know, what did you learn in your section, as you mentioned before, um, you know, what was our section like, like every class is slightly different, depending on where the conversation goes. Um, so it's interesting to kind of trade off on those insights and, and you know, little nu nuances here and there. Well, June, one last question for you. Um, what's a piece of advice you would share with our listeners? Yeah, good question. So I think uh, my piece of advice would just be have a clear plan of attack. So what I mean by that is there are endless oppor opportunities like here at Darden to hone in on what you want to. 
uh, given the limited time. So for example, if your intention is to use business school to explore, uh, know what you want to explore and just start doing that right away. Um, time goes by super fast. So I think if your intention, for example, is to be a president of a certain club, just be super active and be involved in that club right off the bat. Um, if your intention is to, you know, get really good at a certain sport, you know, do that. Um, the weather's, the weather is great here, um, to do that or, you know, anything similar. So I think just diving in, um, having a plan and just really like go full attack on that plan. Yeah. It's really important to have a clear sense of your priorities. What's most important to you and business school, there's a lot of opportunity to get pulled in a lot of different directions. So doing that work even before you start. Um, but of course, continuing to check in because you're going to be busy, lots of lots of things competing for your time. So knowing what's most important to you, the thing that I hear from a lot of students is the importance of just running your race, uh, the emphasis on on your race and, um, you know, that it, everybody's kind of on their path, their own journey. You know, that's okay. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Having a strong sense of your own goals will serve you well here and um, allow you to focus on exactly what you want to do here. So that's great, Brett. Well, June, thank you so much for your time. It's such a pleasure and look forward to um, hearing more about what Darden Capital Management gets into uh, in the upcoming year. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you for having me again and, and look forward to it as well. I'll, I'll keep you updated. And that was my interview with June Sun, a student in our full-time MBA class of 2023. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at Darden, that's D-A-R-D-E-N, at virginia.edu. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.